Well, good evening and uh, welcome to Park End Church for this uh, evening service. It's December the 5th and the second Sunday in Advent. As you can see, we've got our second candle lit and we're pre preparing for this great season of Christmas. I wonder what your favourite Christmas song is. I don't mean Christmas carol, I mean, uh, you know, your popular song that uh, we associate with Christmas. It's interesting how many Christmas songs mention dreams and hopes and fears. And of course, there's the most famous one of all, Bing Crosby, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. Did you know it's still the highest selling Christmas single in the world since it was first released in 1941? It sold over 50 million copies worldwide. Dreaming of a white Christmas, dreaming of good times, dreaming of a better world and so on. Well, in the passage that I thought we could think about for a few moments this evening, from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, we're uh, thinking about another person who's dreaming. It's Joseph the carpenter. He's engaged to be married to Mary, but his dreams were of a very different uh, order altogether from Bing Crosby and any other Christmas song with dreaming. Because here we're thinking about Joseph, who is probably the least celebrated of all the characters that we associate with Christmas. We know surprisingly little about Joseph. Think about it yourself. Um, in terms of a cast of Christmas, he's there, but we don't really know a lot about him. And really, this passage here in Matthew 1 is the only passage in the Bible that tells us anything about Joseph at all. I don't think we really give Joseph enough recognition in the Advent story, do we? Even though he's got a very significant role, um, he's very much a background figure. Maybe that's because, I don't know, maybe that's because we have no recorded words from Joseph. We never hear him speak. This short passage, as I say, is the only one where we find out anything about him at all. As the Gospel accounts continue, he fades even more into the background. He is mentioned once again when uh, they go to look for Jesus, when Jesus is 12 and they lose him in the temple in Jerusalem. But after that, we don't see him or hear about him at all. We are told later in this gospel that he was a carpenter and that he probably passed that trade on to his son. But that's about it. He, he, he's not a super saint, Joseph. He's just a quiet, good man who lived a faithful, God-fearing, obedient life. And I think right there, there's a lesson for us all, isn't there? We don't have to speak a lot. There's times when we need to speak, but our lives lived to God's glory leave a tremendous legacy. And this is the man, though we know very little about him, into whose care God entrusted his very own son, his only begotten son, as a helpless baby, and then as a vulnerable child growing up uh, in Palestine. God trusted this man with one of the greatest responsibilities in the history of the world, protecting and parenting and rearing the Christ child, Jesus Christ. So I think we can learn a lot about what God values and what God desires in us by looking at this character of Joseph. He's a man whose life still speaks to us today, even though we don't have any of his words. I think we see something of his good character in two ways. First of all, the way in which he handles this unique situation with the unique challenge that it gives to his faith. Because here the first challenge he has to face is a pregnant fiancée, 
a pregnant fiancé. That's verse 18 in our passage. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, it's so familiar to us today, and we can easily read those words. But uh, just think for a moment of the shock that that would have been for Joseph as he discovered the truth about Mary. According to Jewish custom at the time, um, we know that engagement was a very serious commitment. It wasn't so much like our engagements today, which shouldn't be broken, I suppose, but they can be broken. This engagement in his day it typically lasted about a year, and it could not be broken off without some sort of uh, formal divorce proceedings. The engaged couple couldn't live together and have sexual relations until after the official public marriage ceremony, but nevertheless the engagement was binding. It was an exclusive relationship. And so now Mary's pregnant. And Joseph only knows one thing for sure, he's not the father. What a shock. And then Joseph would have known full well what the Old Testament law said about this situation, especially for Mary. It was pretty terrible. She would be under the sentence of death. Now Mary, of course, well, she might have some story about um, the visit of an angel after which she became pregnant, but who could believe that for goodness sake? And how could you expect Joseph to believe it? So no, for Joseph to ma marry Mary now, that, that was unthinkable really. She was under judgment, she was defiled, um, and a righteous man could have nothing to do with her. At the very least, she would be publicly disgraced, and perhaps even worse, then the, the people or the authorities could decide how to deal with her. So, this is Joseph. Joseph's world has fallen apart. His plans were in tatters. What was he going to do about it? As a righteous man, he, he could not marry her. As a just man, he ought to hand her over to be judged. But here's Joseph, and here's his inner struggle in his heart as he prays to God about it and this whole situation as he wrestles internally. What we see is that the quality that prevails in him is not justice, but mercy. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, relationship troubles usually bring out the worst in people, don't they? The kindest, the sweetest of people. We can turn bitter and vindictive and twisted. I'm sure we've all seen it from time to time. Perhaps we've even experienced it ourselves. Relationship troubles, misunderstandings. But the amazing thing here, not in Joseph's case, he was a man full of mercy and grace, even in the most trying of circumstances, where he could have stood upon his rights, I suppose. I think a lot of us can learn from Joseph's example here. You see, some of us, some of us need to remember that, yes, we must uphold God, good and, and godly standards, God's truth, morality, what is right, what is wrong, no matter who the person is that's involved, that's right, we have to do that. God's word must not be compromised. Some of us need to remember that. But equally, on the other side, others have need, uh, need to, to, to learn to remember that 
Yes, we uphold God's standards, but we do it with humility and with love and with a broken heart and with grace. All that should characterize us instead of a a self-righteous attitude. We can so easily become like 21st century Pharisees whom Jesus in his day criticizes and rejects because we don't really love the people as we should and feel for their situation. I think this, this balance, keeping love and truth in balance, is one of the most difficult tasks, well, of the individual Christian life, as we react to circumstances and to people, but also to the Christian church, especially in our day and age now. In this climate, keeping love and truth in balance, we need to pray that God would help us to do that, not compromise his truth, but on the other hand, hold it with mercy and grace and humility. And we can learn how to do that from this example of Joseph here. Now, of course, thank God that's not how the story ends for Joseph and his pregnant fiancée, because the good news of Advent, which is the main point of this passage, is that a wonderful prophecy is being fulfilled here. So, yes, a pregnant fiancé, but then secondly, a, a prophecy fulfilled You see, however much Joseph loved Mary and wanted to treat her kindly and uh, keep her from public disgrace, surely he would have found it very hard to believe her story about an angel and the Holy Spirit and her getting pregnant. So that's why God in his mercy and in his wisdom intervenes. And he does so to reassure Joseph that actually this was all part of a plan. The couple were right. They were in the the center of his amazing eternal plans. And so we read, But after he, Joseph, had considered this, that is to put Mary away quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Joseph had decided to divorce Mary quietly, but God's got other ideas. He's got another plan. Actually, this this account here, this is the first of a a number of angelic visits that Joseph received. And what God is doing here, he's, he's vouching for Mary, for the truth that she's spoken. And he's telling Joseph to marry her anyway. And how wonderful that the first word of the angel to this troubled guy, Joseph, is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And in a very real sense, that is the the message of Christmas, isn't it? Do not be afraid. It was the word that the angel spoke first to Mary. Do not be afraid. It was the word that the angel spoke to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And here is the message for Joseph. And he needed to hear this because this is a real test of his faith and of his, his obedience for Joseph. He might now believe, having heard it from the mouth of an angel, that Mary hadn't been unfaithful after all, that this baby had been conceived by a, a miracle of God. He might believe it, but who else would believe it now? So if he went ahead in obedience and faith and married Mary, he would be effectively admitting publicly that the baby was his. Uh, He had 
They'd broken God's law and commands. They'd slept together before their marriage and so on. And so for a righteous man like Joseph, that was a lot to ask. So maybe he was afraid of that. What was he afraid of? Well, maybe, you know, the gossip, the tattling tongues in, in the village, maybe losing his reputation um, in the community, maybe losing his place, we don't know, but his reputation in the synagogue amongst the elders, maybe losing his, his loyal customers um, in his carpenter's business because of what he'd done now. To do what God said required that could mean him losing a great deal personally. Would he be obedient? Would he believe it? You see, he had to believe that this is from God. God's got a plan and he's part of it. And actually it's a plan that has been in place for a long time. Notice how the angel addresses Joseph in verse 20. Joseph, son of David. God had been promising for a thousand years. To, to raise up a new king, a descendant of David, to liberate God's people and then to, to bring in and unite them in this eternal kingdom. And at last, he's announcing to Joseph that that time has arrived, that time has come. And this baby, this boy, entrusted to Joseph and Mary's care would be that king, that Messiah. The, the saviour of God's people, the saviour of the world. An amazing plan. And although it didn't seem like it right now, they were part of it. Joseph was part of it. Uh, we know probably that the expectation among um, many Israelites at that time of a saviour would be more of a political figure, a kingly figure, a liberator, someone who'd set them free from the oppression of uh, the nations around them, who would uh, restore to them in entirety the, the, the promised land and so on, the one they were looking for. They might sort of call him the Great One or, or the Conqueror or, or the Magnificent. But look at the name that uh, the angel God gives to this baby, the name Jesus. It's the Greek version of Joshua. It means Savior. God saves. So this boy would grow to manhood and he would save. He would save God's people, not from the oppression of the nations, but from a much deeper and darker oppression of evil and of sin itself. Emmanuel, God with us. And to do that, he would go to the cross and he would offer up his life as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. And he would go to that cross where the love and the truth, where the mercy and the justice of God would meet and would be perfectly satisfied. It was an amazing plan. So the challenge of the life of Joseph for us today, as we prepare for Christmas and Advent, is this really, are we prepared to believe God? Are we prepared, like Joseph, to accept God's truth? Will we accept that this baby that we celebrate is God's saviour? our saviour, for us personally and, and for the world. Do you believe, if you're listening tonight, do you believe and trust in God's word? What is Jesus to you? Just something to celebrate at this time in December? Or is he who 
he claims to be and who he's revealed to be in the scriptures. Do you believe that the baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas is the fulfillment of this eternal, cosmic, wonderful plan, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and the promises? Do you believe that he is the one who came as the final lamb of all those sacrifices, the lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world? Have you accepted that for yourself personally? Have you come to this relationship with God through the one that he has sent, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? If so, that's great. And are you prepared, therefore, to, to submit to God's plan for your life, as Joseph was, whatever the cost might be? Are you prepared to, to deny yourself, to lay aside your own personal plans and to submit to God's plan, to be part of his plan, which, of course, is going to be ultimately to your advantage in a way that you can never even imagine. Are you prepared, perhaps, as you uh, submit to that plan and to God's way and to God's will, are you prepared to bear the shame, maybe, that might come your way if you nail your colours to the mast and uh, publicly follow Jesus? If you tell people what you think Christmas is really about, are you willing to believe and to obey? Are you willing to be part of God's plan of salvation, which will be so beneficial for you, but as you live as a, a person in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, experiencing this new life, this freedom, this forgiveness, you will also be then a channel of blessing and of hope in your situation, your context, your community. And as a church, we can be that for the world. So, let's learn the lessons from Joseph's life. The lessons of faith and then of obedience and live for God's glory. Amen.